Broadcasting live from Florida's capital city, this is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Good to be with you. If you couldn't tell, today's show is recorded earlier. It is on the actual day. It is on a Thursday. It is actually about an hour and a half before it would normally be on. But we had to do that today. Holiday schedules are weird. It's the way it works. Anyhow, fresh material for the day. And it will be evergreen because we're talking an awful lot about situation that's played out over the last few days while we were all off for the holidays. And where Florida State finds itself. I, did, I didn't I did get a chance to mention this last hour, Tom, when we were talking about kind of being the focus of a lot of people's ire and kind of being the, uh, um, the, the representation in the eyes of many of all that's wrong with uh, college athletics. Unfairly, I might add. Unfairly. But it, it manifests from people's frustrations regarding where college football's at, the transitional stage that college football finds itself in and the aggravation that the average fan feels with all of it, having a hard time understanding who's coming, who's going, what is binding, what isn't, what is, what's real anymore in the world of college football. I mean, we've just watched the Pac-12 dissolve. You know, in essence, you just watched a major conference cease to exist, and it happened in a year in which it was the first time the Pac-12 really, truly mattered in a very long time. Actually had a good conference this year, and it's the year that they're dissolved. And then you hear of, obviously, Florida State's lawsuit. You watch players coming and going. You see the bowl games don't seem to have any point to them at this point. Uh, 20 kids, 10 kids, 15 kids opting out, whatever it might be in any particular matchup that you're watching. I get I get all of that. But something that I, I, I meant to bring up was that um, when, when you are at the forefront of major change or you're the impetus for major change, and to be sure Florida State is embarking on down that road, um, you're talking about the acceleration of a radical shift in the sport. And I say that because if you look back at what happened with the Pac-12 and then later the Big 12, you, you or the I should really, let's go back even further. Let's say the Big 12 and then the Pac-12. Let's go back to Greg Sankey rating the Big 12 and taking the only two entities that mattered in that conference and then subsequently the Big 10 and or Fox reacting by grabbing USC and UCLA. All right, however you want to look at it. The, the point would be that that began, the dominoes began to fall when that happened, right? So this isn't new. Whatever's happening is in reaction to that. But in every one of those sets of circumstances, the schools that were in those conferences, so I'm talking about Texas and Oklahoma in the Big 12. I'm talking about Southern Cal and UCLA, later Washington and Oregon to a lesser extent once the conference was clearly dissolving and they didn't have a TV partner. Those schools were all within a handful of years of their contract being up anyhow, right? Meaning the grant of rights, meaning the television contracts, they were all on the, the cusp of being renewed and renegotiated and, and all of that. So the window for that kind of move was, was open. Florida State's doing something that none of those schools were attempting to do. Florida State is burning it to the ground. 
Florida State is challenging the grant of rights uh, 12 years before it's up. <laughs> 12 years before uh, they would have a chance to, to opt out, to leave, to renegotiate, to go somewhere. 12 years. And they're, they're the only school to ever do it, to ever challenge it. So when you are spearheading this kind of a movement, this kind of a change, which will lead to even more radical changes in the sport, you are going to really, there'll be blowback. You're going to be on the other end of serious blowback when you're the one trying to do something that's never been done. Now, history is filled with people doing things that had never been done. And many moons later, they're lauded oftentimes for bringing about the change that was necessary within the law, within whatever it might be, right? Historically, you want to be on the right side of history. So it's not surprising the backlash at Florida State. It just happens to be married with a time in which Florida State was absolutely screwed. And I would bet that 70 to 80% of the people who love and watch college football agree that Florida State got screwed. So it's weird because you have this empathy from these fans who look at Florida State and say, well, that was just wrong what happened. That doesn't seem fair. Are we going to stop pretending that the games matter? Is that where we're headed in college football? I'm on Florida State's side with this. And then within weeks, they're going, Florida State's doing what? They're, they're setting fire to the conference? <laughs> they're ensuring the demise of yet another Power Five? They're guaranteeing that everything will change for the good or bad, depending on how you want to look at it, in college football 12 years before it has to? So this is, this is like you're in the crosshairs of everything. You have the empathy, you have the anger, and everything in between. I just I applaud this current group of Knowles that are on the board or whether they're in the administration, Ruby Diamond. Uh, well, I should say Westcott. Ruby Diamond is the theater. Mm. But they're over there that have said, look, if we don't do anything, we're dead anyway. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. you might as well try this. It's better than doing nothing because I think a lot of teams, there's a whole lot, even though you're seeing movement in Power 5, there's a whole lot of, well, let's see what happens. Let's let's not make any let's not make any rash judgments. Let's not move on anything in NCAA sports in general. The NCAA itself does that. So let's watch this thing deteriorate. Well, they lose the courts every time they try. Yeah. So, but I mean, I'm not even talking about rulings on on programs that are doing things that are illegal. I'm just talking about trying to reform and fix the sport. Like the current guy who's in there is trying to clean up the mess that Emmert made, and the mess is still compiling. Like there's there's no chance. There's just a whole lot of energy in NCAA sports, big time college football. That well, let's see how it works. I'm not going to do anything to stop it. That looks like it's a big mess over there. Let's just watch it pile up. Look at the latest ruling that came down from the NCAA that says that multi-time transfers are basically fair game right now. You can go leave right now if you've already come to Florida State and you're a transfer. You can leave again. Like Daryl Jackson could go out in the open market after this game that is played on Saturday and go find a home. Again, the NCAA just released that. So collectives and coaching staffs and all these in every sport in every sport are saying, oh, my God, there's an existential crisis where even though I thought I can count on this small percentage of my roster that is built by transfers, they could just go leave again like the kids that come in from high school. Anyway, it's a long winded way of saying there are a ton of issues and a ton of power players, be it programs or the NCAA itself or conferences that are saying, eh, let's just sit back and see what happens. Whereas Florida State is not saying, let's just sit back and see what happens. Let's take our future into our hands and be active about it. And I applaud them for that because they're doing the opposite of what so many institutions are doing right now. 
they had no choice. They laid it bare the first time that they talked about this publicly. We already knew it. We'd been talking about it for some time. We could read the tea leaves. We were looking at when the television rights deals were up for the Big Ten and for the SEC. We knew the kind of money that those uh, contracts would garner and thus pay out to the individual institutions in those leagues. We knew, just based on projections alone, that that would put Florida State behind the eight ball to the tune of initially $20 million per school per year, and then later $40 million, up to 50 to $60 million per school per year. It was simple math at that point to suggest that Florida State inside of five years would be irrelevant on the national stage. Florida State, when deciding to build that facade, went all in, I'm talking about the stadium, went all in on being relevant nationally in big-time college football many years ago. There was no looking back. There was no turning back. It had to happen. Florida State had to move forward once it made that decision. This institution is not, from an athletic standpoint, Wake Forest. They could not have a track around their field and sit idly by and talk about the great nature of amateur athletics. Florida State needed to matter on the largest stage in the world of college football where the power brokers eat from the money trough to an outrageous sum annually. And if they didn't, they would cease to matter. And Florida State understood that. They understood that from the get-go. And so when the writing was on the wall, those whispers began. They had no choice, and I do applaud them. I do think it's an awfully tough task to take on to be the first to do something nobody's tried to do because you are at tremendous risk, and it could really cost you long-term. I mean, this could end catastrophically for Florida State. Now, it could also end in a way that we look back on and realize with great pride our institution did what it had to do in the face of overwhelming odds and intimidation and won its freedom, if you will. And I know I'm talking about football, not people. But here's the deal. It comes with angst. It comes with uncertainty. It comes with weekly, monthly being in limbo. And that is hard. I can see this right now within the fan base. It is hard to accept. People don't know what to do. I, I read my inbox, and it is, I mean, uh, it's hilarious. It, on the one hand, people are like, yeah, let's do it. Screw them. F them. We're going to do this, 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 and this. It's going to be awesome. And on the other hand, I get, you know, within five minutes of that email, somebody saying, be careful what you wish for, man. We could be destitute out in the cold with no conference to play in inside of a year. You know, you get all of these things. And it's all true. It's yep. all true. These are all possibilities. These are all resolutions that could absolutely be accurate. Florida State could fall on its face, could fail miserably, could lose in a court of law and be absolutely persona non grata and broke. Yeah, you've said that there's nothing worse than being in limbo. Uh, I, I would say in most cases that's correct. This is not one of those cases. Right. No, this is action. Well, they're taking action here. This is fine. You're not in limbo when you take action. Right. Well, and also, limbo's better than death because that's where yeah. this program would be in, in terms of what it defines as success. You know, this could turn into Wake Forest if we just sat and did nothing for 12 years. We could be like Wake where we rise up every once in a while and maybe make a New Year's Six Bowl. And, mm -hmm. and well, I, I guess now we make the college football playoff as a conference champion, but there's no real chance for us to win a national title.
And that softball program, oh, remember Lonnie Alameda? Yeah, she's doing such a great job for A&M now. But once upon a time, I didn't know if you guys know this, but she was at Florida State. And Florida State, next to Oklahoma, cheating Patty Gasso, they were the best program in the country. They really were. Next to that Oklahoma program, they were one of the cornerstones of the sport. But now, you know, it's great if they make the tournament, maybe escape a regional once in a while. Same thing. Oh, remember Mike Martin, that baseball program? Oh, my God. I mean, Omaha was their second home. You know, it's kind of cool to see them come out of a regional. I know they're going to get smoked this week by Arkansas in the uh, in the Fayetteville Super Regional. But you know what? A really good story for three seed in the regional Florida State. To me. That's where we're going if we do nothing. That's the world we're going to live in if we do nothing. I choose the limbo that we are now in versus the fate of doing nothing. And I fear, honestly, if it was the previous administrations here, athletically or at the president's office, we might not have done anything. We might have just saber-rattled a little bit and not taken it this far. I think that's probably a fair assessment. Florida State had to modernize their athletic program. They had to modernize their booster situation. They had to modernize a lot of things that they were doing uh, as a program to get to a place where they would be strong enough to endeavor to do this. So I, I, I think... Yeah, there are a lot of indicators that you're very excited about uh, Florida State betting on themselves. You know, Florida State is betting on themselves here in a big way. Uh, how could you not? The numbers tell you that Florida State matters amongst the great college football programs across the country more than almost everybody. That's not an opinion. That is a fact. Florida State, from a ratings standpoint, eyes on sets, being an asset to whatever group takes them on to move forward with future television contract negotiations. Florida State moves the needle more than almost any other program in America. The exception certainly is Alabama, which we now know certainly rates higher than Florida State. There are a couple that do, but not many. So you're betting on yourself. And the other thing I'd say about that is when you're looking at average ratings per game this year in Florida State is in the top 10, I think there's seven or eight. Why don't you give us a Big Ten or an SEC schedule to round out our 12 Correct. instead of having to play at Wake Forest, instead of having to play, even yeah. though Duke did decent numbers for us, what if that was Ole Miss instead of Duke that was on a Saturday night? You don't think that game would have rated a little bit better in Tallahassee? Of course it would have. You know, that's also, what, so I'm sorry, just, I was just going to say it's self-fulfilling for Florida State. It's self-fulfilling. You go to play one of those big two conferences and that's your schedule. We're higher than sixth or seventh in most viewed programs in the country. We're we're top three, top four easily at that point. Well, and I would also, I, I just in terms of where Florida State's at and betting on themselves, I would just say this. I don't, you know, I hear a lot. I'd caution people about this. I hear it all the time and I hear it even amongst our own fan base. People will say, well, you've poisoned the well. I mean, the relationship between Florida state and the, and ESPN, thus the sec coupled with the sec's thoughts about Florida state over the last decade or so, which is that we don't need them. We have Florida. We've got the state. We don't need to bring Florida state in. That's fine. I can appreciate that. It's insulting, but you can, you can handle that reasoning if that's what they think. But I would say that, that's allowing that that too is when you hear people posit that that too is allowing emotion mm-hmm. to take too much of a lead in the discussion. When you that, that's reserved for people like Paul Feinbaum, who seems to be emotionally attached to the idea that Florida State ought never to enter the SEC, right? He's emotionally attached to that. And he's also carrying water for others. 
the thing is, when negotiations become about what's best in terms of attaining assets and making you money, emotion is irrelevant. It gets taken out of the conversation. It doesn't matter that currently our opinion of ESPN and the SEC is that they can go pound rocks, that they could go to hell, and that you would never want to enter that conference. The truth of the matter is, if Florida State were offered tomorrow a deal by which the SEC said, you know what, we see the writing on the wall. ESPN calls and says, we get it. We get it. You're fed up and you're not going to take it anymore. We're in a bind because while we don't necessarily need you right now, we don't like to envision a future in which the Big Ten plants a flag in the state of Florida in our backyard and then does so with Clemson and North Carolina and perhaps Miami. And now all of a sudden we're dealing with a national conference from coast to coast with four flags in our own backyard. This is problematic. So we're going to be preemptive. Let bygones be bygones. Come on down, guys. We'll pay half your exit fee, and you can join the league. Florida State would sign that deal tomorrow. They would do it, and you wouldn't have to like it, and you could be mad, but guess what else you'd be doing every Saturday moving forward? Tuning in to ESPN, watching SEC football with your beloved Knowles. That's exactly what you would be doing. Yeah, this is such a hard time, you know, for Florida State to be making this particular decision that – because if you think about the larger issues that are at play all at the same time, you've got a reorganization of the sport that's coming in the next 10 years. It has to. There's no commissioner of college football right now to argue on college football's best interest. Or be and they desperately need one, Tom. They did. This has been evidence for time for some time now. They need a czar of college football that operates in the best interest of the sport, and they don't have it. Empowered by the power conferences to go do that because the NCAA has already said that the power conferences can govern themselves by different rules than the rest of college football. That is so correct. you've already you've already got that established, but there's nobody to lead the charge. There's nobody who's imbued with the authority to do anything on, on college football's behalf. So now the networks are running the show. So instead of there being a commissioner that is directing where the sport is going, it is the two networks. And to your point, you know, it's an ESPN into a professional light football where you've got two mega conferences and there's a playoff that's comprised of those two mega conferences. You got to have another voice in the room. We don't. So Florida state is taking that risk at this period of time. Then there's this other thing about the economics of television and sports on television, where this is the only thing where, when I read, um, I forget whose reaction piece it was. It might've been the athletic that some of the administrators at other schools in the ACC are sitting back solely because they don't know that these amounts that ESPN and Fox have agreed to pay the Big Ten and the, a- and the SEC are actually going to be real in five or six years because there's a bubble potentially coming with sports rights and how much they cost and how, I mean, unfeasible, uh, unrealistic these numbers are. Yeah. So that's the other thing that's happening right now, where it's like Florida State could fight this legal battle. They could win. We could be in the SEC or the Big Ten. But then, you know, this whole media rights thing isn't what it used to be in 2022 or 2023. That would be the only thing that would make me pause because there's a lot going on simultaneously. Yeah, but it's all relative, Tom. If those numbers come down, they'll still be higher in the Big Ten and the SEC than they would be the ACC. So of course you would be best positioned. You would be best yeah, positioned yeah. to to win. But like, if you have to pay a settlement of three hundred million dollars, 
and you were expecting to be receiving 60 or 70 a year, but now you're receiving 20 or 30, you know, because there's, there's a reorganization of how much money these, these payouts are. It just got a lot more expensive. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's, that's the one issue. Yeah. Yeah. I just think you want your brand chief amongst the other elite brands in the sport yeah. and it will garner the most amount of money for you, whether that number is no longer astronomical as projected, but rather lessened because of the realization that this is a bubble on the verge of bursting. You're still going to be in a better position. You're still going to play more meaningful games. It's going to be better for your local economy. You're going to matter nationally more. And you're always going to have a path by which to pay off whatever loan you get from the private equity firm that's going to pay for your exit. You're, you're always going to have that. So if you remain idly sitting back waiting on all this to change the landscape and then make a decision, you're getting left in the dust. And every year that you sit here doing that, like these other schools that are letting Florida State take the uh, media beating that Florida State's taking now, well, that's fine. You call you called it right in the first hour. They're cowards. Every year you sit back and you fall further behind is a year that's going to add to the list of things you have to achieve first to be able to compete on the field once you finally do make the move because you're five years behind, six years behind. There's it, 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 To me, they had to do this. Now, I just hope that in doing this, they have an actual case. There's case. There seems to be real teeth to this lawsuit. The lawyers I've spoken to say they were surprised by the teeth in this lawsuit. They thought it might be a little less than what we've seen on the surface than what's been alleged. They kind of were concerned that there wasn't a great case to be had. They looked at this and said, hmm, I can't guarantee you they're going to win it. But they're making some valid points here. Well, every valid point is worth a certain amount of money to a settlement. You know what I mean? Like, so you could say the 2027 unilateral ability for ESPN to extend. If that's real, if that's a thing that's actually true and nobody knew about in the public before, that's worth what? 75 million off the top of the of, the, of uh, a settlement? $100 million off the top of the settlement? My question to you is, since you're talking to these legal minds, mm -hmm. Because it had the teeth that they didn't expect to see, was there energy from them that says, I wonder why they waited so long? If they knew this already, why didn't they just do it in August? Well, no. I, I, I mean, I think they wanted to make sure they had their ducks in a row, that this was a complicated endeavor. This wasn't a frivolous, you know, sort of, hey, I feel wronged. I mean, you're getting into the minutia here. You're getting into the fine detail of contracts. And, you know, all of this has to do with making sure – a, that you have a basis for a lawsuit, and B, that you have really covered your grounds here. You dotted your I's, crossed your T's before you come forward. And that takes a lot. They've had lawyers looking at this for a long time. And that wasn't because they didn't intend to make a move, but they needed to know, could they? And so you really had to scour this. I just like knowing they were thorough. I like knowing that they didn't willy-nilly emotion. Like, this has been described by some people as an emotional reaction that is 100% not true. It is anything but an emotional reaction. This has been a measured and, I think, detailed approach to leaving the conference, to trying to get out of this conference, to breaking the grant of rights. This hasn't been sort of, hey, you know, because, I again, I want to go back. I don't believe it's as simple as that contract being extended in, in well, 2016, I don't think it's that simple. If it were, everybody would be suing. Everybody would right. be opting out. Everybody would have left by now. I think that was one of many things alleged in this suit, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the other parts that's compelling here is um, 
you know, not acting in the best faith of the conference. Uh, you know, the ACC is not acting in the best faith of its members. You know, when they're trading an extension for ESPN to green light an extension on the agreement for nothing, like you would never, you don't give something away for nothing ever in this realm, in this realm of business, in this realm of industry. That that never right. happens. So, like you know, uh, if you've got a fiduciary obligation to your member institutions to act in their best interest, and you aren't. Yes. And that can be proven again. That's worth another 50 million off the settlement. Like that's how does this get cheaper for us? How does this get cheaper? That's the whole thing for me. That's the meat of the suit. If you can prove that, or you can convince a judge of that, if you can say, if you can, if you can convince people that, Hey, they didn't act in the best interest, fiduciary interest of its member institutions. And here's, here's how we're alleging that's true. They, they didn't even try to, renegotiate this in good faith in 2016 they just extended right. well if that's true holy moly i mean that number zero they threw out there at the board of trustees meeting suddenly makes sense i mean if that that one thing if that is found to be true or accurate as an assessment of what the acc did yeah then the number zero is very real at that point well and the other thing i'd say is you know i i applaud the board Everybody over there at Florida State, you're correct. They they have buttoned this thing up as much as they possibly could, and they waited, I think, as long as they possibly could. But they knew that there was no choice at this moment. It's a pinch point for the the morale of the program, for the health of everything, like the fan base, all of it. Action needed to be taken. The other part of it is, I think some some of the players here are legacy hunting. You know, like they might be Knowles, but there's there. This oh, is a legacy thing, man. This gets you a statue. This gets you a name. This gets you whatever you want. If you're the person that gets Florida State into the Big Ten or the SEC, or more importantly, most importantly, out of the ACC for pennies on the dollar, oh man, you are assured of your legacy in the history of Florida State in a way that. Most others aren't outside of, say, Bobby Bowden. Nobody else will have a legacy quite like whoever is going to be the architect of of this particular moment. So I think that's the other thing. There's motivations for more than just one reason here, but I'm happy for whatever their motivations are if it gets the job done. I I keep thinking, and I know we got to go to break, I just keep thinking all that's at stake here. It's so much bigger than Florida State deciding to try to get out of this conference. It's changing college football forever. If Florida State is successful in any way, you're changing, you're, you're, you're fast-tracking the changes that are inevitable. Okay, think about this. You're fast-tracking them. Well, SEC, Big Ten media lawyers, airtight grant of rights for those particular conferences, no longer. If this thing, if this thing gets broken, you right. don't think those lawyers are going to try to find an FSU-ACC decision-proof grant of rights moving forward after that? Oh, my God, that's the first thing. They're probably checking it right now. People are scared to death, and you're going you're gonna to feel the backlash of that. Florida State's going to bear the brunt because they're the first to do it. They're going to bear the brunt of all of this anger. So when you read these stories, understand – Again, this is Chestnut Checkers. We are talking about bigger forces at play here. Mm-hmm. I sound like a JFK conspiracy theorist, but I'm telling you, there's a lot more at play here than Florida State leaves the ACC. Oh. So Jeff Cambridge, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV.
Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply the cameron show is a production of the warchant.com multimedia network check out warchant.com today for the latest news inside florida state athletics that's warchant.com now back to jeff on real talk 93.3 straight from the fire down of the future with our friends at ISF, and this will be a non-traditional ISF read, if you will, or conversation. Obviously, it feels like all we're doing is perpetually solving for the future, but I got a great text from Jonathan over at ISF, and we've we've had a good time collaborating together. Uh, Hello there, podcasters. Oh, don't worry. I won't prattle on for two minutes like I do with some of the other reads. Zaxby's doesn't demand it of me. Zaxby's like, look, just tell everybody that we have the best chicken sandwich in all the land. That's easy. I can do that. I can attest to that. A delicious, thick, juicy, tasty Zaxby's chicken sandwich is where it's at. Of course, the strips are a given. You like the strips. We get the strips on game days. The platters are lifesavers. Mm-hmm. If you're going to a party, pool party, say, this summer, and what do I bring? Just bring a Beer Giant thing. No. and Zaxby's. Worry about the beer. You bring the Zaxby's, you're going to be the hero. Just uh. make sure you get all the sauces, too. They've got like 97 sauces, and they're all delicious. I don't know if you guys know this. There are 27 Zaxby's in Tallahassee alone. 27. You can't miss them. I think that's true in general in every city in America. They're like so peach trees in Atlanta. They're everywhere. Look around. Find you a Zaxby's and get after it. By the way, your Tallahassee Zaxby's a proud Golden Chief booster for 18 years. Go Knowles. Uh, since he's joined the show and since their company ISF has joined the show, but talked about how in year one of solving the future on this program, uh, it, it got off to a rocky start, not the ad, if you will, but rather the team, they were 0 four. Uh, as he notes correctly, we hung tough together because the first step to solving the future means facing your presence year two of solving the future. We got to two, got to 10 wins. Uh, but there were some stumbles along the way. And we decided to stay on board and continue to build and climb, if you will, using Mike's vernacular. Then they went 13-0, and 0, and here we are now. Um, it's been a commitment to, to rise together. So it's the first step to locking in the new reality and the biggest solving the future. Mike drop ever was staying on board with the Jeff Cameron Show and us staying on board with ISF and watching this thing go from that rocky beginning to this dominant place in which both are thriving, and we appreciate that very much. We appreciate where Florida State's at. I do think, Tom, that we have some meteor issues to deal with on the ground right here, right now with Florida State. And I want to get a sense of where your head's at with this. 
We've just spent the better part of an hour and 20 minutes talking about on this show what Florida State's doing, the way it makes us feel, the fan base's reaction, the national reaction, the meaningless nature of these other bowl games, the transitional stage that college football finds itself in. But we haven't spent as much time because we also have an opportunity tomorrow on a Libations Friday edition of the Jeff Cameron Show, as well as the pregame show that you and I are going to do before the Orange Bowl on Saturday. So there is time to tackle all of this. But while we're solving the future, I think we should take a good hard look at this. This has not been a good 10 days for Florida State. This has been a really tough time. I get the sense that Mike Norvell is frustrated. He looks tired to me. Mm -hmm. I see a man that is kind of looking over his shoulder around every turn. Now, what does that mean? What am I insinuating? Well, you don't know which players are on their way out the door. You don't know who you're going to have, and you got to play Georgia in a significant bowl game and that it's the Orange Bowl. And a lot of people are going to be watching said game. And you feel like the momentum of your program that you had when the clock struck zero against Louisville and Charlotte crowning you as ACC champions heading into the final days of recruiting, heading into the transfer portal season, you felt like you were flying high. And then the fateful news came down that you were excluded from the playoff. And since that time, nothing good has happened to Florida State. It seems like if you want to defer to the recruiting class and say it was a good recruiting class, but not a great recruiting class like it was anticipated, even that feels like you were somewhat slighted or frustrated by the results. So Mike's got, I think, a difficult task in front of him now. He talks about gathering, galvanizing, continuing to climb. It's hard to do when every day there's another announcement that a player is leaving. I mean, Keon Coleman was a foregone conclusion, but nonetheless, that announcement just happened. Tate Rodemaker, you thought was going to start the bowl game. He's not. You got to go to Brock Glenn. And while you may love Brock Glenn and you can tell the world that he's built for it, the truth is this is a hell of an ask with a bunch of backups to have this kid making his second career start against that team. Florida State doesn't feel like right now it has a lot of momentum to me. No, I think getting some of those young players on the field on Saturday, and, and hopefully they can make a few plays here or there, I think that will help settle things and settle the matter down a little bit. It's not going to be totally satisfying. It's not a perfect elixir to the issue that we have, because I agree with you that there's a lot that's going on for Florida state and most of it is not so good. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think the hard part is it's going to be, I think J January 3rd, to January 7th is the next visit window for transfer portal candidates for early enrollees, kids that you want to be here in spring. So by the time we get to the seventh or the eighth, we're going to have clarity on who's in and who's out. The problem is I think not just for Florida state, but for programs around the country that are like us, that are in the big conversation, there are rocky moments to come. And if you're Texas and that happens, anybody in the Invitational, all right, that's one bit of negative news for a larger positive development. We've, we've mm -hmm. had good you know, recruiting classes, success on the field, but this is just a minor bump on the road, otherwise smooth ride. For us, we're in a plane and there's turbulence going on and the, the plane is shaking and it's rocking back and forth and the flight attendants are screaming and the oxygen masks are deployed. And it's like, all right, folks, we've got 20 more minutes of this kind of turbulence is what you're doing. Hang you in there. Oh, my God. We've been going through an hour of it. We've got 20 more minutes and then we're going to set this puppy down. 
I know there's smoke coming out of the wing. Don't worry about that. That's just one edge and the other three are working. We're fine. This is going to get bumpier next week because of the NCAA ruling that says multi-time transfers are a thing. So I think on the coaching staff side, on the collective side, we're going to have to go through a little bit more grief the first week of 2024. And then by the time we get to about the 8th, 10th of the month, there's going to be a little bit more clarity. But yeah, uh, I think the negative storylines keep rolling with a little bit of a pause if Hakeem Williams goes off on Saturday or or Destin Hill or Conrad Hussey or whatever. Blake Nicholson has a couple of good plays. That'll give you a stay, but then there are more bumps to come. And I agree with you that Mike is a little bit shook right now. Who wouldn't be? That tweet on Christmas after uh, Tate Rodemaker made his decision where he's talking about you know, life is full of adversity and whatever. That's not like Mike. He doesn't He doesn't tweet that stuff out. All he does is put out animations when we get a commitment, and that's about it. So I, I think he's searching right now, but who wouldn't be? It, this is an unprecedented month for any coach. Part of solving the future for Florida State right now is weathering the storm, and I just continue. That's the through line of today's show. We continue to talk about being at the forefront of change and how difficult change is for all of us. Uh, We all know that these are you have your good days and your bad days when you're going through radical changes, and I just think Florida State is in that place right now. This program is. They went through another change for the positive with the regular season that they had, the 13 and 0 campaign, the ACC championship championship and then immediately found themselves in limbo and nobody likes that feeling i stress it all the time being in limbo is really difficult when you don't have great certainty of what's coming next certainly not great certainty as to whether it's going to be successful or not or sustained or not this newfound uh excellence right that that's tough to stomach i i just think we're gonna all feel a lot better when february rolls around but it's tough to get to february because it's december 28th And you're sitting there going, man, because look, if this plays out the way I think it's going to play out, Florida State's going to have a tough road uh, when they play that game against Georgia. And when they lose that game against Georgia, if they lose that game against Georgia, and if it's as lopsided as it feels like it might be, given the circumstances, again, this is not the Florida State team that went 13-0. This isn't anywhere close to that team. When you go into this game, Without Jordan Travis, without Keon Coleman, without Johnny Wilson, without Jaheim Bell, without Tatum, I mean, you, you, uh, what did I say? Tatum, I didn't mean to say Tatum Bethune. Trey Benson. Well, without your offensive lineman, without, I mean, you, when you go into this game without those weapons, it's hard to envision a scenario in which Florida State emerges victorious. So, say they lose this game and it is lopsided. It's just adding to the ledger of helplessness that Florida State fans feel right now. And I'm telling Florida State fans, hey, deep breath, weather this, don't overreact. Maybe stay off social media for a month. Hang in there. That's the thing. When, when When the plane's going nuts, Remind yourself of the statistics that they just generally don't hit the ground unless they they want to. They land. They don't hit the ground face first. So just remind yourself as hard as it is in this moment where you're shaking for your life that that it all typically ends up okay. Yeah, stare at a dot on the chair in front of you. Just stare at it. (laughs) Even if the world is spinning around it, just make it the center point of the kaleidoscope so that you can see that as the world is spinning. Just stare at that thing and hold and you'll get there. There, there's no doubt that Florida State right now could use two things. Number one is Cam Ward to say yes, 
you know, that would be a nice calming thing for everybody. Like, okay, all right. Got a quarterback. Got a quarterback. All right, yeah. The next thing would be, and I get there's a lot of infighting uh, in terms of the way that maybe there's there guys have exited the program or, you know, whatever. If we could see fit to one weekend in January, just having a bunch of the 23, the unconquered 23 Knowles show up and be celebrated inside dope. And you stream that and, and you, know, you have events around the stadium, maybe some bounce houses for the kids. You make it a big fan <laughs> fest engagement. I'm just saying like a big yeah. fan fest engagement that celebrates the unconquered 23. I think everybody kind of needs that right now to exhale and say, this was an, a tremendous season, a special season because that gets so lost in the rear view. And that sucks because that, that is, this is an all time special season that I, I fear we're not going to appreciate until we get till about like June on the calendar or, or July on the calendar of 2024. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's accurate. Yeah. So for now, it's kind of a weird solving the future end uh, to the segment, which is to say that we're solving the future by not overreacting, not overreacting in a negative way, even though a lot of negativity is coming your way. Breathe, hang in there, Florida State's going to be fine. Maybe not initially, but down the line, Florida State's going to be fine. Jeff Cameron, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. The Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. In this segment where I have failed so many others by not mentioning our friends at Zaxby's, I have committed a grave oversight. My apologies, Zaxby's. I've got to be honest with you, I've eaten too much Zaxby's this holiday season. It's so easy. They're so delicious. It's easy. You got gatherings, you got people, and you go, oh, I got to deal with Zaxby's. I'm going to go pick up some Zaxby's. They're delicious. And then I, because you've seen me do this, Tom, I can't stop picking at it. I just yeah. can't back over and over and over again you've got more willpower than me i don't mm, uh I, maybe <laughs> maybe my lack of willpower is just restrained to a time when nobody's there you know that's the i, I i've yeah. got public willpower i've got public willpower with the zaxby's but then privately you know it could be a, a sunday after we get a platter for the game on a saturday mm. it's, it's sunday morning and then my wife goes upstairs to use the the restroom or something I'm like let me sneak in there and get sneak over there and grab another piece of sex. <laughs> <laughs> and then what happens is by about the four o'clock window of the game, did you have four more sex pieces? I did. I did. I'm not going to lie about this. I did. I did. When? Uh, I choose my moments. Yeah. yeah. My- you weren't looking. That's when. Hey, I will say this. Uh, Zaxby's been on board all year long. We love them. We love that they're on board with us and we continue to uh, really enjoy that relationship. Primarily because their food's really good. And they're on 131, if I can get it out. I can spit it out. 131 locations these days, Tom. Think about how fruitful this football season was. There were days that there were 54 Zaxby's. Now we're up to 131. Well, heaven forbid that uh, Florida State joins the SEC and has oh. uh, all of those yokels make their way to town every week for different sports. Uh, Zaxby's Man. will need to, I mean, this might just be the Zaxby's show. 
You know, we might get replaced by a couple of chickens talking about Florida State because of how powerful Zaxby's will be in time. Oh, my goodness gracious. All right, buddy. So uh, we thank Zaxby's and, of course, proud Golden Chief Boosters there at Zaxby's for over 18 years. We love you, Zaxby's. Uh, it's happened in the last minutes of the show. I've got to bring it up because we've talked privately and texted. It's official. I'm a Baker Mayfield fan. <laughs> I'm like legitimately a Baker Mayfield fan. Okay. Now you were, and then you weren't, and you are again. So this is your second time on the wagon. I hope the seat was, uh, the the butt groove is still the same for you. Yeah. I think that, okay. So I love Baker at Oklahoma for obvious Mm -hmm. reasons. Right. One, one big, one, the Heisman was phenomenal. Then I thought, okay, we're getting out over our skis when we're talking about drafting him number one, people. That's crazy. He's still too short. He's still going to have a problem getting the ball over the line of scrimmage. I don't think he's a long-term answer as QB1, but I loved what he was in college. All right, so then I was proven kind of right. You know, he he was this. He was up and down, up and down, and you're kind of like, ah. But there were always people who pushed back on my negative Baker Mayfield uh, discussion. They would say, well – you make it sound like he's the dregs of the league. Jeff, he's not that bad. He's a middling quarterback who, by the way, it should be noted, a lot of players like to play with. Ah, eh, whatever. I don't want him. Then he comes to Tampa, and I'm told right away from the folks down there at One Buck Place, the players loved him. They loved him. He wasn't a prima donna. He knew this was maybe his last best chance. He loved the talent at wide receiver. He knew he'd have an opportunity to kind of reshape his career, and he seized it. He worked harder than anybody they'd seen in a long time. He was there, first in, last to leave type guy. But moreover, he was physically tough. He wasn't afraid to lower his shoulder. He wasn't afraid to get after it and practice with teammates. He wasn't afraid to be the bold guy that he was. I thought, okay, again, rolling my eyes, whatever. Earlier this season, you saw kind of an up-and-down performance from Baker Mayfield. You're kind of like, well, that's who he is. That's his career in a nutshell. He's good one week, bad the next week, good one week, bad the next. Can't really count on him. And then my man just straight up went on a roll for the ages. The Bucs are going to win the division, and I dare say it might be a problem for anybody that has to come to Tampa and play him. Yeah, there's a, it's a second thought. Last year, there wasn't a second thought, even with Tom Brady. And I think there's a lot of passive-aggressive shots at Tom Brady in 2022, that version of last year, being taken when there's praise for Baker and what he's done this year. And I'm talking yeah. about unnamed sources in the locker room and then offensive players saying, man, it's a pleasure. This guy just comes to work. Because Brady didn't that final year. He was broken. And look, it, it was very public as to how and why he was broken. Uh, but I think... This year, you just see a, a team that embraces that they're not elite. They're above average, barely. But that's what Baker is. He's the embodiment of exactly what the Buccaneers are this year, and it's lovable. And I also want to point out, because I just looked it up. That's what I was typing away for. The Bucks offense has scored more points this year with Baker than they did last year with Tom Brady. How about that? With, with two weeks to go. With two oh. weeks to go. This is the hard part for me to reconcile, and I don't know how long he can sustain it. But the reason that I love him, besides the fact that he's been tough, he's played in every game, he lowers his head and gets that first down. He just did it again last week, Tom, that third down play where he gets the first down. of the run. That's who he is, right? But he's starting to make throws, throws. Like throw, throw, throws, Tom. Like throws where we go, whoa, you got that in the bag, do you? Well, yeah, that third down throw uh, for the long touchdown 
uh, two weeks ago when he had the yeah. perfect when he had the perfect quarterback rating. That is a pick six unless it's a perfect throw. And it was he's a done throw. it a lot in the last three weeks. That touchdown once again to Mike Evans, double teamed here. Only place you can put it. It's a laser. I'm like, what are we doing? So anyhow, time's up. We'll be back tomorrow. Good talking to you. Good to be back with you. Happy holidays, everybody. Thanks for joining us. For Tom Wang, I'm Jeff. Peace.